Good morning, all, and happy Wednesday. Really appreciate you listening into this session. Uh, we've got a lot to cover today. The, the uh, intent of this, and here's the agenda, and I'll go through that here momentarily, but I want to introduce um, myself and also go through what we're going to cover today, uh, starting with the Revenue Enablement Series, which is going to be a series of four different uh, um, sessions, and I'll go through those sessions here shortly. But today we want to cover um, the customer lifecycle, um, the target market, the ideal customer profile, buyer personas, internal team structure, and summary. And I want to keep this interactive. So if somebody has questions throughout this, please don't hesitate to, to jump in. There's no reason to wait till the, till the very end. So today, what we're gonna cover is uh, <clears throat> to find a customer life cycle. So the, the intent of this, is, the, the whole series is really, as you can see here, we wanna ex you know, exceed your revenue and customer acquisition goals and ending up with creating a scalable, repeatable, predictable, profitable sales and marketing model, and therefore the associated revenue. So this component really is gonna be uh, setting the foundation for the other sessions, uh, the eighth next week is going to be marketing and lead generation. The following week on the 15th will be opportunity management, and then we'll wrap it up towards the end of the month with leadership and management. So just a, just a little bit about myself, kind of like been there, done that, right? <laughs> and this picture actually has it when I had hair. So um, if we look at this, I, I, you know, I know you can read this, but uh, at the end of the day, I want to focus on the fact that I've been doing this for quite some time. Um, I know a lot about B2B. I've built multiple sales teams with sales reps from anywhere from uh, 10 to 60. Um, and that included some customer experience folks. It also included solution engineers. Um, and um, I've also sat in the CMO seat as well. So again, what I want to focus on is give you the tools, the people, processes, and, and technology to build multiple, uh, to, sorry, to build high-performing sales and marketing and CX organizations. So what that results is what that's going to result in for your organization is um, predictable. Again, you're going to hear this from me a couple different times, predictable, scalable, repeatable and profitable revenue streams. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but as, as you can see, and a lot of my clients, typically when I come into an organization, this is what I would call the head nodding slide. Like, wow, yeah, look at this. <laughs> and you should be concerned as a, a CEO or a CFO. But I mean, look, look, at, the, look at these numbers, right? You know, 65% of marketing content is not used by sales. 80% um, of CFOs don't have high confidence in, in sales forecasts, right? And this is just not me making this up. These are from some pretty reputable organizations, such as Forrester, such as Miller Hyman, which I believe is a corn ferry company. Um, Clear slide, there's a couple application companies in here too. So uh, again, that the, these these numbers are kind of scary if I'm sitting in the, the CEO seat, and they are very prevalent as as well. I just um, that's that's what helps keeps me busy, quite honestly. But that also is you know in in the CEO seat, that's going to kind of keep you guys up at night. I would I would guess. So again, I just kind of trying to set the stage. 
And then why revenue enablement? I'm a maybe some of you folks out there are uh, Simon Sinek fans, but I'm a big fan of his. So I like to start with why. So again, we want to focus on if you look at that uh, the fourth point underneath the first bullet, you know the cross-functional alignment. I'm always hearing about how marketing and sales are, are are butting heads. You know, marketing says, "Geez, we're providing great leads," and and sales is saying those leads aren't worth a darn. And and marketing's like, "You're not following up." So it helps eliminate the back and forth between sales and marketing. And again, if you look at these numbers. Uh, um, you know, organizations that maintain a focus on alignment achieve 19% faster revenue growth and 15% higher profitability. So uh, some of the other components, as you can see here, are, you know, improved communications, right? And we want to we want to streamline that. We want to create the process. We want to, you know, who is going to own the process. And also it's important that we have an end-to-end -end, um, holistic process-based on the customer journey. So uh, again, you know, what is revenue enablement? Maybe some of you are asking, what is that? And these, both of these definitions here by um, industry experts and, and, and some folks at Gartner or an analyst at Gartner, you can, you can see what it is, right? The process you most efficiently acquire and maintain customers, maximizing revenue gain through each stage of a customer's journey. So this is why we want to start focusing on the customer's journey. I'm not going to read the second one, um, but you know the the net net is you know it can it, you know, again we want to provide buyers and sellers with a seamless and more effortless experience. So uh, looking at that um, first quote, we want to talk about the customer journey, which we will go into here, and the customer lifecycle and the customer journey. A lot of that, um, those those really can be interchangeable terms, but I, I, you know, this one I've I've been doing this for a long time, and you're always looking for a diagram, or at least I'm always looking for a diagram that that <laughs> helps me explain it, or I can, you know, I can easily whiteboard it um, for the for the senior executive team, and I think this is a really really powerful representation of the customer life cycle, right? Because it, it's got the the components where we're really we are looking for. And, and it's an ongoing, this really shows an ongoing. It's not a one time you sell the customer and off you go. It's really, okay, if you've got a land and expand strategy, and again, what that means is you might have a small project in a big company to start with, but you have uh, <clears throat> goals to have a much larger overall revenue stream from that customer. So if you look at the left side of, uh, of the of the chart here with with lead generation so that's uh, to use some of the terms that maybe you're familiar with that's kind of top of the funnel so uh, awareness and lead gen that is typically more of a marketing function again all this is under the revenue enablement umbrella but <clears throat> this uh, the lead gen awareness is going to be so your your, your branding um branding and awareness mostly driven by marketing. The education is going to be for lead den, lead development, again, driven by marketing. So if you look at this, these two components really are going to um, more so on the lead dev side, once you actually have a lead qualified. And I, I will, today is going to be more on the, the strategy component and foundation component, but the next session on marketing, will well, I'll come up with some specific tactics and specific examples but this is, you know, these these two 
components here are all about your content as you do branding and awareness and education. And that's also mostly a marketing function and between the, the, the education and selection with part of your team. And I'll also talk about a team structure later today as well. So if you, we, quick, I got a question on this. So sure, like, Ken, go ahead. When I work with companies, actually, I try to help them actually develop a scorecard or KPIs and I go about it like cradle to grave, right? And meaning that, hey, I want them to get down to when I spend $5,000, five or let's call it 15, just for math's sake here, $15,000, that should create, you know, a third of that should actually turn into leads. Uh, and then, you know, so 5,000 enters the funnel. And at the end of that, you know, I close a certain percentage. And then that, at the end of that, it goes over to finance who then bills and then operations to deliver and then maybe finance bill again and then collections and then cash in the bank. And sometimes, you know, I've seen the, that complete, uh, you know, life cycle can take six, nine, 12 months even, right? From just awareness to lead, to execution, to operations, to finance, to cash in the bank. I, and I don't think a lot of people realize that length when they start looking at things that way. It, it, on your experience, when you look at just this funnel, how long can some of these activities specifically at the very beginning take um, before they actually translate into sales, which is when a lot of people, unfortunately, start to pay attention. Yeah. So the, the you know, the, the answer to your question is, it is somewhat solution dependent, right? So um, this discussion is really uh, all around business to business, right? right? So if you're looking at an enterprise type sale, those those sales cycles can be you know easily twelve months, right? And so, that's just sales, right? That's not even awareness, and stuff. that's that's correct. So right. if if you if um, if you look at that, there's there's some numbers out there that say, um, excuse me, yep, that say sixty five percent of the sales cycle is done by the time that somebody actually contacts. The salesperson, right? So actually, just real quick, I, I've actually even heard higher by Gartner that it's like it's 80, and which is why, and you know this better than me, which is why so many B2B deals go to die because they uh, there are so many people that are also involved in the decisions that you know they get to analysis paralysis and and stop. Stop even looking at it. But you know, go go ahead. I'm sorry, sorry about that. Well, no, that was all you know. The, I guess the percentage is very high before they even <laughs> engage with the sales team. But coming back to your question, um, that's that's uh, you know because you're you're right as as they as the, as they're looking at you know awareness you know as you in your marketing efforts you're just doing branding and awareness and and you know somebody that's really looking for a solution is not going to you know, they're like, oh, I remember seeing something about that, you know, two months ago, right? So someone's going to be, you know, driven by what their business requirements are, right? So if you look at, you know, enterprise sales, 
like an ERP, for example, maybe that's not a great one, but, you know, those sales cycles are running 18 months, right? Uh, if you, you know, maybe content management, document management, governance solutions, right? Those are running at least 12 months. And, you know, people want to, the, the buyers, and, and again, when we talk about numbers, and the buyers uh, committees now, or the, those committees for these large deals, you know, they're approaching what eight people or so, Ken. I don't know what you've heard, but you know, I've I've seen it between five to one, and then it turned to eleven to one. And global type of accounts can be twenty to 20, 20 people for every B two B transaction and the decision process. So yeah, it's 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 amazing. So again, to try and answer your question, frankly, I don't have. Th those numbers and that might be a good one for next week to, <laughs> to, to figure that out to say you know i've done had a chance to do a little bit of research and what i've come up with but i mean I, you know at a high level it's measured in months not days or weeks though right yeah. it is it is measured in, in yeah. months and the velocity certainly will pick up as you move from education to selection but you also talked about okay how long does it take to onboard folks well again it depends on the application just the just the solution deployment and development, you know, that could take six, eight months in and of itself, right? Before you have the opportunity to, you know, even uh, commence uh, activities that are related to, to growth. But I think the other point that's, that's important here is, you know, when you achieve impact, what I've seen and what I stress a lot, but what I've seen a lot in my customer base is, is in my client base is that, okay, we do one deal and, they people tend to you know the in, internal people unless you've got really good um, leadership as well as good customer experience folks that they don't put together how your solution has uh, aligned with what the original business requirements were of the um, of your of your client right so you know that that's really important so what did I spend this you know several hundred thousand dollars or sometimes even more on um, you know was it was it a benefit and if it was you know what benefit was it so you can start to not only to retain that client because in the in the SaaS universe it's it's you know it's pretty easy to disengage with your customer to go to another one and you don't want that retention is very important so again kind of the, the, did that did that answer your question yeah, yeah that's good. I mean really the message is is it could take years <laughs> right so and you need to understand each one of these stages uh, on how long it can take so that you know you know when your investments will start to pay off so yeah thank you correct and it, it's really you know it, it's it's really challenging um, to say, okay, what's my return on ad spend, right? That's, that's you know, I'm not convinced that's the metric, right? Um, the, the metric is really, okay, you know, I've spent this amount of dollars, let, let's say, I think you said 5,000. So I spent $5,000. How many leads does that get me? How many, how many deals does, does, does that get me, right? So you know, some sometimes that, you know, from awareness perspective, all of a sudden you'll have a customer come in and say, okay, I've done a lot of research on you guys. I've, I, I know a couple of your reference clients, you know, that accelerates the sales process once they actually get to the selection stage, right? So, yeah. so you have to, I mean, as you look at it, those the two to the to the left, they're really fo focused a lot on, on you know, the, the marketing resources. And then you have, you know, the sales and onboard are going to be the selling resources, your de your development deployment resources, start to transform, transition from sales to um, the CX or customer experience folks. And, and then, 
you know, you want to make sure you've got the, uh, you know, uh, as you're, as you're working with your client, you're having the, the you know, all the contact um, with the clients and continue to educate them, quite frankly, even after they're a client, you know, to, to expand or, you know, provide value. And, and, and instead of just moving into that, you know, vendor customer relationship, trying to move in, especially for enterprise deals to move into the um, trusted advisor type role. Okay, cool. All right. So uh, the so you know this this is really uh, kind of uh, we we could talk about this for, for quite a while but we've got you know significantly more to cover today so uh, but again in, in summary from from this one I really like this representation because um, it's you know you, you want to continue to interact with your customers especially if you're in the SaaS environment the retention the you know long term value of of your your customer cuz again to your earlier point Ken, I didn't mention you know customer acquisition costs specifically right but you know that that's a metric that we, we should be looking at as well for re, irrespective of his if it's SaaS or professional services, any of those, you should be looking at customer acquisition costs. Awesome. So, what what what's what's next? So, how do how do I go look at this? I've I've seen so many companies that say, okay, we're going to be all things to all people, and you end up being nothing to anybody, right? So, I think if the best, this is just a really really important step and it's going to you know it, it takes some time again it depends on the size of your organization and, and maybe you can say okay i've you know i've got a pretty good book of business now but i'm going to introduce a new product or you know i want to reevaluate what i'm going to provide to my customers so maybe you start to uh, evaluate your existing customers first right so some of this is going to depend on the maturity of of your organization but these really are the you know, critical components, you know, what vertical am I going to be in? Am I going to be in retail? Am I going to be in manufacturing, fintech, financial services? There's a, there's a lot of different areas, uh, you know, different verticals. I only listed a handful here, but, you know, um, but again, I think that, you know, what this enables you to do is um, when you start focusing your sales and, and marketing organization, you can, it's easier to develop content for specific markets than it is to try and address all markets because each, you know, each market has its own um, unique areas of challenges from a business perspective. But I also think it's really important to look at, you know, are you SMB, targeting SMB companies? Are you targeting large enterprise organizations? Because they also have different needs there. So, and as I previously mentioned, I think the evaluating exist, you know, your existing customers, who's your, who's your best customers, right? Um, and, and, you know, it's not, because uh, if you look at that, you can't, you know, it's going to be difficult to please all your customers. And it's not out of the question to fire some customers too. So, and that's, that's maybe a, a discussion for, for another day, but um, sometimes it's, it's okay to say no, depending on what your business goals are. So. Again, I, 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 you know, I truly believe that if if you don't take the time to go through this exercise as well as the next part of it, which we're going to spend some time on, your ideal customer profile, you're doing yourself a disservice, and you won't be able to to uh, truly develop a powerful messaging platform for your successful um, revenue goals. Any questions on that? Nope. Okay, so. What is your ideal customer profile? And, and again, I think that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of organizations, they say, yeah, we know we have that or we've already done that. And time and time again, um, I do not see that they've people have spent the time 
working to uh, focus on your ideal customer profile because again that's going to be your foundation for uh, messaging for lead generation so you know uh, if you got some customers you know what are your happiest customers prioritize the customers that will stay with you so again i mentioned previously that if you know it's okay to fire a, a customer and we're going to there's going to be multiple buyer types here and you want to create these buyer buyer personas and i'll talk a little bit about buyer personas here shortly but again uh, i think if you look at this statement at the bottom of this slide um i would say will dictate how you improve the product or service you're offering right and then um the wording your marketing and sales is going to be training so again uh, this is this is all foundational work that has to be done and and maybe some of it for more mature companies is already in place but i would challenge you to really take a look at that and see if it's if it's resonating for 2023 and the challenges that your customers and prospects are facing so what what is a buyer persona what are the components of a of a buyer persona right so um, and i've got some examples that i'm going to go through here shortly so um, the buyer persona, you know, the name, the demographics, the psychographics, the uh, and you know some other components. Social media, what do they hit? What are their politics? What are their common organizations? So, and a lot of CRMs, you can capture this buyer persona information in there. You can also, as you're doing your marketing development, you want to be focused on. Um, you know, it's the messaging, we talked a little bit about the number of individuals involved in these decisions, these enterprise decisions, you're going to need messaging and content for each of those people that are involved in the uh, in, in the buying process, right? So, you know, if you've got multiple buyer personas that they all aren't going to want to read the same language or, want to, or same information, the same content, they have different they have different objectives they have different goals so you, you have to you have to address you have to address those so i think if we look at this you know here, here's here's some examples and this this is some um, examples for for one of my from one of my clients that that was more involved in professional services but again you typically if, if you look at these your buyer personas you're going to have multiple entry points into um into an organization right and it depends what you're targeting so for example if you if you look at if you look at Paul, um, you know, um, he, he's going to be a more senior person. Whereas Liam is, if you're targeting start startups, you know, he's going to be, um, you know, your your target messaging for that. Um, Charlotte is in professional services, so I think that again, this is an exercise that 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 um, that really takes some significant thought. It takes, you know, it's it's important, and you might even want to consider um, looking at some. I've had some very good luck using some um, outside marketing agencies to to help me with this, because a lot of times your internal folks, depending on the size of your staff, may not have the time or the expertise or the depth to do this. And as I talk about that, and I'm sorry, this is a little bit of an eye chart here, but you know, you can see there's some pretty extensive development here that, you know, the persona um, snapshots, um, the value propositions, how to communicate, um, segment characteristics, uh, the service needs, some of the social media use apps that they use. So this is a very, you know, detailed type of, uh, of, an exercise that I would encourage you to really 
um, take a look at and you know who who does this well it's marketing sales and and your customer success team so it really goes across the the entire revenue enablement team and again then i go to the, this is this is you know these two sheets compare and these two sheets comprise um, the buyer personas in in this instance so um, i think that the pain point and the calls to action again this is these are very important components of this buyer personas because it's going to drive your messaging. It's going to drive your value propositions. It's going to drive how you sell to these individuals. Any any questions on this? So this this tends to come up quite a bit. No, not, not for me. I mean, familiar with this, familiar with the company too, <laughs> uh, obviously. But uh, no, this is this is good because um, you know I think a lot of people don't do this, but Fundamentally, you should be marketing where your clients or profile or persona actually goes for information, right? Uh, not just shooting it out to the masses per se. So worthwhile exercise to fully understand it. Well, it, it is. And, you know, I think that, that as, as, we're, as we're going through this, we're going at a, at a, at a pretty good clip. Um, and you know, I, I typically I, I love to uh, to get some feedback from from um, different participants, uh, and, and sometimes um, you know the participants don't like to to jump in, so I don't necessarily like to put them on this on the spot. But yeah, uh, and just real quick, Jim. Also, obviously, you're you're in the community, the shift spot as well. So if some owners watch this and see this and have some questions, I mean. Can they go ahead and send you a message as well? I said yes. I, I wish you would, please. And I've I've included my contact information at at the end of this um, at the end of this presentation. They can also tag you within the community. So put an at symbol in your name, and it'll it'll send you a message. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So I think as as we continue along, it's like okay, that's. That's great, but um, you know these again. These are the um, the components. But what what is my what does my team look like? So, um, and, and you can see that the the continuum of the customer lifecycle across the um, uh, the the entire team. But this is really when we talk about internal internal team structure. This is the structure for the revenue enablement organization. So you can see that that marketing really goes um, across all of the customer lifecycle. So from awareness to education, and you want to continue to to uh, you know educate your customers. Marketing and, and um, uh, you know should be working very closely with uh, sales and. Um, customer success, sales on, the, on the more of the top end of the funnel or that left end of the customer lifecycle. And then the customer um, success account managers working with them once they are actually a customer and, and engaged too. So, you know, marketing is going to be developing, you know, content for the sales cycle. Um, marketing is going to be developing content for um, overall awareness and branding and lead gen. So they're a very important component of the organization. But again, if you structure it like this with having a single leader above all of these areas, 
it, it really it, it comes back to that um, statement I had of you know why revenue um, revenue enablement and what are the expected outcomes. So with with on the selling side, well, we haven't talked specifically about the selling resources per se. That's going to be on a different uh, a different session. So a lot of, uh, you know, you could even throw SDRs in here, depending on what you do. So sorry, sales development represent representatives. So if you, they can be doing lead qualification, they can do meeting setups and, and let your more, you know, seasoned expensive selling resources, just do the, the selling. And then you need to look at when, when you target your verticals, you want to look at, okay, do I want to do what's, what's, what's your selling model? Is it a direct selling model? Is it a channel selling model? Is it some combination of the two? Okay. And then the customer success and account management side of it, um, you, you might see this referred to as CX for customer, customer experience too. So those are, those are um, you know, kind of all interchangeable uh, terms, but um, for SaaS companies, this for all companies, I would make the argument that this is an incredibly important position um, because it's it's a different skill set, different DNA than your pure salespeople. There is there are there are selling components to to this, but it's a much softer sell. And um, if you're looking at uh, account management and account growth, again, that the, the, it's so important for the retention and, and you know increasing your your longer term value contract value as well and then we talk about revenue enablement or sorry revenue operations and sales enablement these these individuals are typically responsible for the the tech stack management so your marketing automation your your CRM something like outreach or sales loft um, and we'll talk about you know specific technology components in in later sessions. But again, the, this the intent of today's session was really um, to to say, okay, what do you need from a fundamental foundational perspective so that we can start incorporating tactics to um, really be able to deliver and deploy on your revenue goals. But uh, again, the, the the sales enablement also would include sales onboarding and, and training and. and um, that that a lot of times what you'll see is the challenges that are faced with you know who who does the training right who does the onboarding what does that look like how do we reduce that so there's a there's numerous components to that as well so again I think that um, um, Ken I've gone through this relatively fast I only have a uh, a couple more slides to to go today I know we were slotted for a little bit longer time frame but. Um, I don't know, you know, if we want to go back and revisit some of this, but I'm about to go into a into a summary position here. Um, yeah, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll I'll dig into some some questions if you could, please. Let's. Okay, great. Yeah. So, again, what what you know, <clears throat> what 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 is the what what is the kind of message or takeaway I'd like to have from from this session? So it's, you know, it's, you have to define your target market. You have to define your ideal customer profile. You have to define your buyer personas and you really have to say, okay, what does my internal team structure look like, including the management level, right? So this is why I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a proponent of a, of a, you know, have a CRO in place, right? And that way you don't have to have a, you know, a chief sales officer or chief marketing officer. Again, depending on the size of your organization, you you met you're certainly going to have 
you know, executives responsible for sales and director level or VP level responsible for sales and marketing and possibly even um, customer success, depending on the size of your organization. But for smaller companies, I think it's um, defined as maybe in that 5 million to 25 million, having that CRO to drive the revenue enablement team is very important. So what, what, what are we doing here? We're providing a blueprint for success. So, you know, what, what, what's our strategy? What's our team? Um, you know, what, what type of investment? We didn't talk about investments in, in, in this today, but I'm happy to address that. You know, certainly please reach out to me and happy to do a deeper dive because it's going to be significantly different for this, depending on the size of your organization. So what's the bottom line here? You know, success is hard to achieve and repeat if you don't know what it looks like or where it's coming from. Yeah. So uh, actually, I was just going to, I've heard from, it, it, from a sales and marketing perspective, it's, it's a very wide range, right? So uh, Gartner actually uh, quotes that the range is anywhere from 10 to 50% of your top line revenue should go back into sales and marketing. Um, and it's made up on a lot of different variables, right? Which gives them plenty of outs, right? Um, right, but industry, um, growth rates, um, you know, potential, uh, you know, are, are you looking to gain market versus uh, other other things, right? So, you know, for example, a lot of people didn't realize that I think salesforce.com just became profitable not too long ago, right? They, for well over a decade, were running, um, you know, cash flow or, or in, in the negatives, if you will, because they were investing so much money back in the sales and marketing and growth aspects of the business. But, as a rule of thumb, I mean, what do you see out there as far as investments? Let's say, you know, a, a, a lot of the people actually in our community um, are 50 million and below, right? You know, yes. for, I, I have experience of working with technically, I guess, a Fortune 89 company, Oracle. <laughs> um, so Fortune 100 and, you know, a lot of these companies aren't that, right? What do you see out there? Do you see these wide ranges? I mean, I get concerned when I go in and I hear an owner say, well, I don't know why we're not growing. And I look at the investments and, and it's like, well, you're only investing 6% of your revenues back into sales and marketing. So how can you expect to grow really? But what do you see personally with say 50 million and below that, which are the, the people in our community and listening to the podcast? Well, I mean, it, it does vary. I, I've, I've rarely seen it at, at 50%, although, you know, being a little bit self-serving, I would love to see it at that. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, but I mean, the answer to your question is, if it's if it's 10%, it's too low. Um, I think that the medium, it should be in that 18 to 22%, 24%, right? I think it needs to, it really needs to be in, in, in that area. I think if, if you're... At, uh, you know, again, depending on your maturity as an organization, but I would say in, in general, if you're in that 18 to 22, 24% range, you, you should not only be seeing some return on your ad spend, but I would think that, you know, you, you have good content development. I would think you're going to have good sales, uh, sales enablement, sales training, sales onboarding, you know, compensation plans are obviously part of that too. So, you know, even, you know, even if you're a $10 million company, you know, that means you're spending, you know, 1.5 million, 1.8 million, something like that, right? 
Right. So, I mean, and you can chew that up pretty darn fast, as you know, Ken, right? But, you know, you cannot, I mean, in today's, you know, hyper competitive market and with people being, you know, your buyers being bombarded by, you know, hundreds of, of messages a day, what stands out? How do you do awareness? How do you do education? You know, conferences are coming back, right? So I think that you did you really, I think that it, you're, you're, um, doing your organization a disservice if you have anything less than 15%. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you talked about verticals, right? And clearly, obviously, if you go to market with a vertical, um, you can't have a bigger return, right? And there's pros and cons with it. And my experience is a lot of people think that they're going after a vertical because they give the sales guy a white paper. Uh, they think they're going to a vertical because they have a messaging, right? Um, but, you know, to truly go after a vertical, it is a complete investment, right? So, I mean, it's a huge investment with also a huge return, but also a huge risk as well. Meaning that, what does that mean? Well, I'm investing heavily in marketing and marketing expertise that know healthcare inside and out. I'm investing with salespeople that know healthcare inside and out. My services team knows healthcare inside and out. They've, they've worked in those environments, you know, for decades. Uh, all, every, all my training is around healthcare and selling to healthcare and assisting healthcare, right? And I think too, too few people actually see it as, you know, just once again, well, we'll just verticalize. We'll just tell the sales guy, go talk to the hospitals and tell the hospitals this and they'll buy. And that's not verticalization. So some of the risks of verticalization are obviously all your eggs in one basket, right? Yeah, you know, um, I invest heavily in healthcare and then there's a downturn in healthcare or I invest he heavily in manufacturing and then we're offshoring stuff to manufacturing, right? Any advice on how to balance that, if you will, and how to get the return from a, from verticals and minimize your risk in doing so as well. I think you're almost talking about a silver bullet, but, <laughs> but I think, you know, it, it's, I think if you're, you know, if you're just doing one single vertical to, to your point, right. Um, you do need, and I don't, I didn't hear you mention a subject matter expert, you know, to, to help, yeah. you know, help with the, you know, the actual delivery slash selling cycle, right? Yeah. And, and that's those, where all expense comes, right? And yeah. those subject matter experts, I mean, sales, it's one thing to have a salesperson that's focused on that or your mark, but you need truly that, you know, that subject matter expert that's like your business analyst or something like that. And, and that individual is expensive as well, right? But um you know, you can't be all, you know, all things to all people, but that is a challenge that, that I've seen. But typically, you know, the I guess the balancing act is that is if, if you do healthcare, are there other, you know, ancillary type of uh, um, verticals you can target, maybe like a pharma or something like that, right? Yeah. Or some sort of benefits type, you know, or some sort of uh, maybe um, uh, you know, and uh, insurance companies that touch into that, right? So yeah. that that might be a, a way to do it. But um, you, you're absolutely right. And and you know, as I think about this, that that as we look at, you know, the you're right. The verticalization um, consists of all the components you talked about. 
including that subject matter expert, right? And, you know, what I've seen people do is like, oh, geez, I spent all this money and I'm 10 months into it and I haven't seen much funnel growth, right? So, you know, don't, the, the message is you can't let off the gas too early, right? Because then you won't be able to see, it, you know, uh, any return on that investment, but how long is, is long enough? But I think that if you're, if you're in that market, if you sold to that market, um, you have a pretty good idea for what your average sell sell is and what your average selling price is, right? And what your win rates are. So, I mean, you look at okay, what was my content? You know, if I increase my win rates and 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 protect my overall, you know, overall pricing strategy, you know, those are two key components too of of, of looking at that. Um, you know, looking at, at those markets too is is again pipeline velocity, win rates. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, price, you know, not caving on price. So there's that component of it too, Ken. Yeah. Hey, can you go back a couple slides actually, please? Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. This one? Which one? Actually, just uh, uh, go back a couple more. That that one thing. The <laughs> Which one? Uh, it was towards the beginning. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> oh, there, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so um, huge investments across all of this, right? So, um, look, I, I can only say this because I grew up in the sales ranks, right? Uh, until I became an operations folks. But sales and marketing people are probably the two most underestimated hated and unappreciated groups there are, right? So let's face it, right? So who hasn't met an owner or a finance person or somebody that says, well, anybody can sell this. I don't know why our sales guys can't do it. But then again, I, I, I never go practicing being a dentist or a heart surgeon, right? Uh, I, you know, I appreciate the expertise and I understand that, right? And, um, you know, marketing uh, is such an art and such a craft and there's so many ways to skin that cat right so you know are, are you know what is included in your strategy seo you know ads digital uh you know pr you know and and you get 20 marketers in a room um you're going to get 20 different opinions and 20 different strategies right and they're really difficult and hard it's the hardest thing i see for ceos and visionaries to understand is what is my ROI? You know, if I spend this, I get this out of that, right? And I'm curious in your experience, how often do business owners and CEOs, I guess, give the sales and marketing team the, the, the chance to actually have the full impact versus making the change too rapidly or radically before it's time. Meaning that if I look at this, this could literally for ERP specifically, that could be a 12 to 18 month sales cycle. Aware, awareness to close could be three to five to 10 years, which is insane if you think of it that way. CEO can look at this and make 20 different adjustments and not realize the return of any of those decision points at the very beginning. How do you guide them through that process and help them understand, you know, that some of these things take time and understand that, you know, 
when the right strategy is in place, how to execute accordingly. I know that's a lot of speaking and a loaded question, but how do you guide them to make sure that they're not changing too quickly, but seeing things through? So I think that when we haven't really talked about um, EOS much here, right? But that that is a challenge. So I think if we said, um, and that's also, uh, <coughs> Um, I think some of it depends on the CEO, the visionary and the CEO, quite frankly, right? So if the CEO has come up from a sales side, in my experience, it's a lot, it's a lot easier for the CRO or the CMO or the CSO um, to you know, defend their position, right? And sometimes it is, well, every time it's extremely difficult because if you're talking about you know, 15 to 20% of the budget, you know, all you know, the CFO, you got the CFO, you know, pounding on your door saying, you know, I'm I'm spending all this money and I don't see the pipeline growth, right? Or, you know, it looks like you guys are, are not worth a shit, not worth a darn, excuse my language, not worth a darn at selling, right? And and I don't see the deals turning around fast enough. But again, I think that if if we look at um, you know, if the CEO is coming up from operations or engineering, they always want to tinker with the process, right? That's, and, and again, I've, and I've worked for numerous CEOs and the, the, again, I'll stress this, the ones that have come up from sales and marketing, um, they, they get it. They, they understand it. They always don't like it per se, right? <laughs> but you just have to, you have to make those adjustments accordingly, right? Yeah. So I think the I mean, part of the role of the CRO is to make sure that you know i mentioned eos but so set the realistic goals right and then every quarter you can measure against those goals right because you know you know as well as i do being in, in in this business since sales as long as i have that you some some of these you see this big hockey stick because you know, let's face it, all the buyers went to the same buying school, right? <laughs> so is it end of quarter? Is it end of year, right? And, you know, how do you manage that kind of hockey stick um, uh, event, right? So, yeah. and they, again, they, you know, you're right. It's a, it's a I think that, it, it, you know, and sitting in that, you know, executive team, it's a, it's a lot of communication and setting realistic revenue goals. But, okay, what is a realistic revenue goal? Well, I mean, that's an exercise that takes a significant amount of time, right? What, what, where I've seen the biggest failures is to say, okay, um, here's our revenue goal. And then, you know, you look at your selling resources and your quotas. Well, revenue goal is 110% of your quota. And as a CRO, I would not sign up for that, right? And <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I just, because it's not realistic. And then the board says, you got to deliver this number. And I'm like, I can't, right? I can't. And I'm not going to sign up to it because you're asking me to deliver a number that's more than our more than our quota the sales team can do right and not uh, you're not going to get a hundred percent of of your sales people hitting a hundred percent of your quota so i mean i think the you know it's again that's it's, it's it's challenging if you're the business owner or the ceo and saying you know geez i'm, I'm spending you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on on marketing and my, and my sales people aren't you know closing for for you know um closing at the rate i'd like to see so again i think it really comes up um, to the the executive um, in, in charge of this whole um, cycle to say, okay, let's set realistic goals, right? Let's look at those goals on a quarterly basis. Um, and there's always going to be external, you know, events like, you know, can you say COVID, right? So um, can you say the war in Ukraine, right? So it's like, 
you know, how do you plan for that? It's, that's really challenging too. So there's there's all these outside influences that that come into play that you know you're, you're trying to juggle as the as part of that executive team, right? right. I think that I think a good way to do that is we talked about the you know um, the let go. Let me go back to to this one is the um, not current state. Sorry. Um, My computer's not being very cooperative here. So the you know why revenue enablement? So I think that again, as, as we as we look at this, is is um, we've got to have that alignment because you mentioned that you know the CEO says or CFO says you know these these marketing guys are spending all this money and your sales guys can't close worth the darn right. Yeah. So I think it's like okay if we have that alignment where you eliminate the you know sales and marketing pointing right and say okay this the salespeople are gonna <clears throat> are gonna you know say take responsibility once it's a sales qualified lead right so it's not like marketing says it's a sales qualified lead it's like well they all agree to the parameters around that and then you should be able to shift your messaging accordingly um you should be able to shift training accordingly but again that that question can it's 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 very challenging but i think it does come down to setting realistic revenue goals who's accountable for what and you know don't you know if, if you're going to change why are you going to change and understand the impact of that change because if you if you you know it goes back to your question about you know the, the verticalization is like wow i'm spending too much money i think i should go to uh manufacturing for example <laughs> so that sunk cost goes away so again I, I really think it comes down to effective communication on the e executive team and setting realistic goals yeah okay yeah good 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 input there uh <laughs> you know and, and you're right a, a little known fact is a lot of ceos actually do have sales roots a lot of people actually think that they have operations roots and other roots uh and and they do but, but um you know a lot of ceos actually come out of the, the sales ranks uh, specifically in the SME marketplace because let's face it they invent a product or a service and then they start to go out and sell it. Right. And then they, then they're, then they're, they grow the business and they're the CEO. Right. So anyways, Jim, this was really insightful. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'll tag you in the community. I'm sure there'll be some uh, questions in the community as well. Um, you know, what is next week's topic again, please? Next week's topic is marketing marketing specific so you mentioned you know you just we were talking about you know course corrections and all that so we'll be talking about uh, seo we'll be talking about digital awesome. well, you know some of the programmatic approaches some of the technology to that as well some of the you know specific tactics we use how how do you measure right what are your adwords so what does your spend look like so we'll be we'll be talking more tactics and um, programmatic approach in the next couple of weeks Awesome. Well, actually, one of the, uh, the the business owners in our community, uh, her name's Viola. She's out of uh, Germany, actually. She owns, what's her staff? About 20 employees, and all they do is SEO and everything. So be be interesting to see that content. I'll have to tag her in the community, make sure that she she watches that. But uh, I, I really appreciate your time and uh, you know enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. It was awesome.